Well, amen and amen. If you got a Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, we're continuing our series entitled Jesus Over Everything, walking through the book of Colossians together. Uh, and uh, as uh, we highlighted the first couple of weeks, of course, last week we were um, all together at our Sango campus uh, for our homecoming service. Uh, but we hit on Colossians 2 there. We, uh, you know, talked through Colossians chapter 1. And so I just kind of want to give you a, get you up to speed a little bit, give you uh, um, just a reminder, pre-course on the book in large before we dive, uh, uh, dive into Colossians 3 together. Colossians, right, a letter written uh, by Paul to uh, church Christians in Colossae, looking to encourage, uh, uplift, right, challenge. And, uh, and the way that the book is broken up, the first two chapters, Colossians 1 and 2, is all about doctrine. All about doctrine. Uh, Colossians 1, you know, speaks to the doctrine of Christ, Christology, who Jesus Christ really was, right? We talked about that, how he's more than just some genie in a bottle, more than just a man, right? He was fully God and fully man, and he is supreme, sovereign over all. Uh, he is in charge, as we saw in video a couple weeks ago, that there's no place on earth that Jesus does not call mine, does not say that it's his. Uh, he is sovereign over all, and the question is, is he sovereign over uh, your heart and my heart today? Uh, we talked about that in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 2, right, talks more about theology, uh, but Paul attacks the uh, false teachers that were there in Colossae at the time, uh, teaching a whole bunch of uh, false doctrine, right, a myriad of different doctrines, uh, you know, including stuff like mysticism, which promotes the worship of angels, uh, stuff like legalism, right, which was, uh, you know, heavily Jewish, saying that, hey, you've got to follow all these rules and regulations, and that actually makes you right with God. Uh, stuff like what is called asceticism, which is basically, hey, um, if you remove all the good in your life and just essentially, you know, uh, uh, live, you know, in pain, that actually makes you closer to God. You, you aren't supposed to enjoy life. You're just supposed to punish them. That actually gets you closer to God. Right. And and stuff like humanism, where man is the center of uh, the universe. We see all that taught and Paul combats and says, no, no, no it's all about Christ. Colossians 2, 6 and 7, hey, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to walk in him, rooted, built up, and established in the faith. And so that's chapters 1 and 2. And then what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks, chapters 3 and 4, right, is practical Christian living. Uh, 1 and 2 talks about doctrine. 3 and 4 talks about practical living. And Paul encouraging the Corinth or the uh, Colossian church on how to live. Because here's the deal. I'll go ahead and just jump right in out of the gate. Hey, listen. Right. Doctrine without practice. Right. Is not the way to live as a believer. You can know all the different doctrines, man, pertaining to the Lord. Man, hey, you could be well versed and well studied. But if your doctrine doesn't impact the way that you live, man, then you got the wrong doctrine. Got the wrong doctrine. And so the call for us is, yes, to, to know what we believe about God, about Christ, about his word. Right. But look to allow for our belief in those things to dictate how we choose to live our life. Hey, because Jesus is supreme over our life, man, he ought to have first place and lead and control our life. And so Paul highlights, man, what it looks like to man walk out uh, the Christian faith. And so Colossians chapter three, all that say Colossians chapter three. We're going to read verses one through 17. Paul beginning this new section here. And so if you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. And uh, we're going to read, like I said, verses 1 through 17. If you don't have a Bible with you, the verses are on the screen there so you can follow along. But this is what the word of the Lord uh, says. 
says this, If then, or since then, you have been raised with Christ. You know, those of you in here who are in Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Uh, That verse three is super important. Just a reminder. Hey, whenever we came to faith in Jesus, we didn't just become morally better. We died to our old self. We died. Here's another way to put it. We weren't reformed when we came to Christ. We were reborn, reborn. We're a totally different person. New creation, as 2 Corinthians 5 says. So when we came to him, our old self died. And now, hallelujah, our life is now hidden with Christ or with him. We are his, secured in him. Verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Man, some glad morning when this life is over. Hey, we're going to fly away. One day, man, we're going to see Jesus face to face. Man, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more cancer, right? Hey, and no more tragedy. Man, we're going to be seeing him face to face, man. One day, one day. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion or lust, evil desire and covetousness. Which is idolatry, idolatry. Some other translation may say greed there. Put to death those things. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. And here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Just a reminder, that, hey, we in Christ, man, we are all one in him. There's no more classism, man. We're all one in him. Verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these things, hey, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. By the way, I'll throw this in free charge. Aren't you glad? Hey, in Christ, man, hey, we have peace with him. And we can also walk in peace with him in this life. We're at peace with God, but man, we can also walk in peace. Man, an encouragement here is to let peace of God rule, man, in your hearts. And just to remind some of us, man, in a crazy season, hey, the peace of God can rule. Some of you may be anxious. Hey, cast that that anxiety on the Lord, man. Philippians 4 tells us that. Man, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body. Hey, and be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing or warning one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts toward God. Paul highlights all the worship songs, psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Hey, you may have a favorite. You may have a couple of favorites. Bless God, man. We ought to be willing to sing them all because because of the object to whom we're singing to. It's, It's the Lord. It's the Lord. We ought to worship. Out of thankfulness, man. And then verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Hey, because we have died with Christ and are now seated with him in the heavenlies, the Bible says, because we are in him, man, the call for us is to walk out this heavenly life. Walk in this heavenly life, man. We are new in him. And the call for us is to walk in this heavenly life. That's what I've entitled the sermon today. Hey, the heavenly life, man. What does it look like to live the heavenly life? Won't we pray together? Lord God, we love you. We thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you for your word, God. Just this passage speaks to the testimony of how good you are. Lord, giving us a roadmap on how to live this heavenly life for you. You didn't just save us and then say, hey, yeah, go figure it out on your own. No, no, you you gave us direction and and a roadmap on how to choose to live for you uh, in these days. And so, Lord, I I pray that we would take to heart what your word says, Lord. Ask that you'd speak to us right now. God, at the end of the day, we need a word from you. We need you. And so, Lord, I, I ask and pray over these next few moments, Lord. God, that we would pause and listen, knowing that you're speaking to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Like I mentioned, because we're in Christ, we're called to walk in this new life, the heavenly life. We see here in Colossians 3, man, Paul lays it out. I love how practical Paul is, by the way. He just lays it out, man, just lays it out right there. We see here he gives us, man, three choices that we've got to make. If we want to be folks as followers of Christ that live out this heavenly life, three choices that we've got to make. If we want to be folks that live out this heavenly life, the first choice that we must make is this choosing man to put on the new perspective. If we want to live this heavenly life, the first choice we've got to make is to choose to put on this heavenly perspective. That's what he says in verses one through four. Man, if you've been raised with Christ, hey, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Man, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Man, we, we, we've got to understand that in Christ now we have this new perspective that we're called to put on every single day. And by the way, that that, uh, um, you know, seek the things that are above, set your mind on things that are uh, above. Those are uh, in the original language, uh, present active imperative. So it's a daily decision. That's a command from God. It's not really a suggestion here. Hey, the call for us is to be folks that seek the things that are above, set our minds on things that are above. And so we've got to understand that we're called to put on this new perspective in Christ. You may ask Pastor Irv, how do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Glad you asked. Paul highlights it right there. And I already talked about it. But the first way we do that is choosing to seek him first. We've got to choose to seek God first. Man, seek the things that are above. I can summarize it for you. Man, hey, seek Jesus first. Seek him first. Matthew 6, puts it this way. Hey, but, you know, he talks, you know, talks through. He's preaching Sermon on the Mount. And then he says in verse 33, but hey, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. 
Man, Paul is telling the church at Colossae because they're new to seek the things that are above. Seek eternal things, heavenly things. Right. Seek Christ personally. Hey, look, seek to live in a way, man, that builds God's kingdom at the end of the day. Right. Seek to live in such a way, man, where you're investing in eternity. Man, seek the things that are going to last forever. Don't just seek the here and now. Remember, hey, just in case you forgot, I'll go ahead and remind you. Hey, remember, Bible says, man, hey, we're just aliens, man, strangers here in a foreign land. We're just passing through. Hello, this, hey, this is a short time. Bible says it in this way. Hey, we're but a vapor, but a breath. Here today, gone tomorrow. And so the question is, what are we going to do with the breath, the vapor that we have? Well, Paul encourages us, man, to seek the things that are above. We've got to choose to seek him first. And what does that look like in your life? Seek him first. Hey, is Jesus, man, the, the, the first one that you choose to seek out in the morning and the last one that you seek out before you go to Man, you may say, Pastor, man, hey, listen, I'm busy. I got a lot going on. A lot going on. Hey, listen, if we want to put on this new perspective, man, that, that's what it's going to take. Man, us choosing to seek him first, seek Jesus first. I get it, man. I know I'm not, you know, I know I'm busy, but not as busy as some of you, man. They got young kids, families rolling, but it, it's a struggle for me personally. Man, I wake up and I'm thinking, man, hey, I got, you know, already thinking all the stuff that I got to do, the list that I've got to make. Right. I'm already looking. You know, Sister Melanie, and I've already got several emails. I'm like, man, it's not even 7 o'clock, Brother Demetrius. I already got email. What? Folks emailing me this early for, man. I'm just kidding. Not, you know, that, yeah, in that part, but kind of, not really. Uh, but, you know, I'm already thinking all the stuff, I, you know, I've got to do for the day. And it's so easy. Hey, here it is. It's so easy just to simply push Jesus to the side. Push him to the side. When the call for us, man, is to choose to seek him first. Man, press pause, man. All the stuff you got going on and withdraw like Jesus himself. Do you remember, man? It says oftentimes he withdrew, man, to spend time with the Lord. We've got to choose to do the same thing. Man. Putting on the new perspective looks like us choosing to seek him first. Man, our focus ought not just to be on the here and the now. Man, we, yeah, we've got responsibilities. We've got a lot going on. But, man, it ought to just not be here in the here and now, man. Not just living for today. We're living for eternity. So we ought to choose to seek, man, first the kingdom. Seek him first. Man, putting on the heavenly perspective looks like seeking him first. But saying it looks like this, setting your mind, man, on things that are above. Paul literally answers, you know, what it looks like to seek him first by saying in verse 2, man, hey, set your mind. Another way to say it, set your affections. Set your desires, man, on things that are above. This is where it starts for us. Man, it's setting our desire and minds on, on the things that will last. Setting our mind on, man, building God's kingdom, man, investing in stuff that lasts. Set our minds on, man, investing in the lives of our kids. Yes, you know, playing sports. Yes, you know, doing all these activities. But, but man, beyond that, man, investing Jesus in them. Pouring into them so that, man, they can one day be the disciples, man, that God wants for them to be. Building for eternity. Man, set your mind on things that are above. Living for eternity. I like this quote from Warren Wiersbe. It's Warren Wiersbe. It's on the screen here. It says this. Our feet must be on earth, but our minds must be in heaven. Our feet must be on earth, but our minds must be in heaven. You've you, uh, I've, I've heard the quote before, you know, by the, uh, you know, the uh, granny in, in the in the first Baptist church. Hey, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Y'all heard that before. 
I've never seen a person that's been so heavenly minded that they haven't been earthly good. I've never seen a person like that. Hey, when our, when our focus is on heaven, right, on, on building God's t- kingdom, investing in eternity, man, hey, we're, we're more than just above average in being earthly good. Man, hey, we're, we're investing in things that matter here on earth. We're making a difference for the kingdom here on earth. And so the call for us, man, is to set our mind on heaven, on heaven. Yes, in the sense of what's to come. But more importantly, here it is. Man, the folks that we can take along with us that are far from God, that need to hear the gospel. The kid, you know, our kids. Hey, investing, man, in discipling our kids so that they can reach their friends and encourage them, man, to come to faith. And we ought to look to invest in. He turned, man, set your mind on things that are above. The practical everyday affairs of life ought to get their direction from Christ in heaven. We in Christ now look at earth from a heavenly point of view. And so what that means is this. Hey, we don't waste, man, that relationship with that person who's lost, that God's brought into our life. Yes, we love them and encourage them, man. We, we, we uh, value their friendship. They're not an experiment. But, but we don't waste the, the chances that God gives us to be able to share the hope of Jesus with them. So they can one day spend time with us. Listen, we uh, look to invest in our kids. We think about how we can invest in loving our kids, man, but giving them the truth of the gospel. Man, we look to, uh, you know, make an impact, right, to, to give them real talk conversations as they grow older so that they know how to stand in this world, man, that's cold and far from God. They know how to stand for him. Man, we look to, man, invest in eternity by setting our minds and hearts on things that are above. What does that look like for you? What does it look like for you? Man, is, is your mind focused on that? It could be both. Hey, like I said, I'm not saying to abdicate your responsibilities and just simply wait for Jesus to come. That was what some folks in the first century did, by the way. They said, hey, Jesus is coming back. We're saved. Hey, we're literally going to sit on a mountain, sell all our stuff and just wait for him to come back. Well, they were in for quite a surprise, Brother Cliff. He didn't come back during that time. Not, not talking about that. But what I'm saying is this, hey, in the midst of your life, as you're living, the relationships that you have, the, uh, the, the friendships that you connect with, the work that you do. Hey, man, think about how to invest in those things, man, to build God's kingdom. At the end of the day, think on how to use, man, what God has given you to impact his kingdom. We've got to choose to put on a new perspective. Because, man, Jesus is our boss at the end of the day. So, number one, hey, the first choice we've got to make is to put on a new perspective. If we want to live this heavenly life, we've got to put on a new perspective. Secondly is this, hey, we've got to choose to put to death the flesh. We've got to choose to put to death the flesh. That's what he says in verses 5 through 11. He walks through the list. The first list is mainly sexual uh, sins, right, uh, with the addition of uh, greed or covetousness, which is idolatry. By the way, I'll throw this in free charge. You may ask, how do, how do those two things relate? Hey, whenever you covet something or desire something that isn't yours, hey, you begin to worship. You begin to worship. I, I was just there this week, Brother Tony. I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm just keeping it real. Hey, you know that new iPhone 14 just came out? Y'all don't, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I, uh, I feel like, man, I, I want to be in the know. I want to be cool. I think there's a lot of trauma, man. I got two little sisters. They used to make fun of me because I had the, you know, the older phones, you know, even though they're still living in the house. And so my parents paid for them. But I had to pay for my own way. But I think there's a lot of trauma. So I want, you know, the new stuff, man. So I'm looking at that iPhone. I'm on the Apple, you know, store online, man, just searching that thing. Man, I want that. Then I'm looking at the price. 
I'm good, I think. And then going back to it, maybe I can spend it. And then I'll look on Facebook Marketplace looking at, you know, maybe if I get an, you know, iPhone 13, you know, plus or 13 Pro or something, that next newest thing. And I'm seeing all these great deals. And I'm thinking, man, even though I know it's sketch, man, if it's that cheap, you know, someone's just trying to scam me. But I don't care. I want the phone, you know. And all of a sudden I find myself, you know, 45 minutes in, an hour in, man, just (laughs) wasted time. Not even buying. Covetousness, man. I was worshiping that thing. And, that, and, and we fall victim to that all the time. Got to put to death the flesh, man. And then the second list speaks to the, uh, the speech there, speaks to speech. Uh, you know, uh, anger, malice, rage, all those things manifest themselves right in speech. Whenever we're angry at somebody, right, whether it's driving, we may give them, you know, the dirty bird um, or, you know, just yell at them, cuss at them. Right. If we're, you know, upset with our spouse or somebody else, you know, it may resort to yelling majority of the time. Malice is uh, anger, right, that uh, expresses itself in, in action or has the intent of expressing itself in action. Right. All these things, man, Paul is saying are, are uh, indicators of life in the flesh. And so the call for us, since we have died with Christ, is to put to death those things. The, the phrase put to death there in the original language is in the uh, present active imperative. Meaning this, hey, though we have died with Christ and we're a new creation, we still have this old flesh. And so the call for us is to daily, let me rephrase that, consistently die to that old flesh. We've got to consistently die to ourselves. Luke 9, 23, hey, hey, die to yourself, take up your cross and follow me if you want to be a follower of me. There's a call to consistently die. Hey, though we're a new creation, we've got to consistently die. That, hey, you know, you, uh, you know, not falling victim to these things, it's not just going to happen by osmosis. There, there's got to be a choice that's made. And to say, hey, Jesus, man, I'm dying to my flesh, man. Fill me with the spirit. I want to live for you today and allowing for him to take the lead. Man, We have to put to death the flesh. Kill is what that means. Literally kill the flesh. Make that decision to do that, man. What, how do we do that, man? How do we destroy it before it destroys us? No, uh, number one is this, man. How do we put to death the flesh? We've got to cut out what corrupts. got to cut out what corrupts, man. What, what's the stuff that's, that's leading us to, man, participate in some of these sins that we see here? What are some of those things that are leading to that? Hey, you've got to cut those things out in your life. Cut those things out. Man, what are those things that, that are leading you to lust? Right, maybe it's a computer screen. Hey, cut it out. Cut it out. Wait, what's leading you to have thoughts, man, about stepping out on, you know, your, your marriage or stepping out on your kids? Hey, man, cut it out. If it's that, you know, those extended conversations with that person that in your spouse, man, cut it out. Get rid of it. Because here's what happens. Hey, if you don't, it will destroy you. Just being real. It will destroy you. Though we have victory over sin, man, we've got this old flesh, man. If we can, if we choose not to cut out the root, man, that leads to this stuff manifesting in our life, man, hey, it will destroy you. It will. I love this quote from N.T. Wright. It says this, practices such as these are like a gangrious limbs. To the eyes of a surgeon, they must be cut off before they infect the whole person. Man, we've got to choose to cut it out. Cut, cut this stuff that corrupts us or else, man. 
It'll destroy your life. Destroy your life. Yes, hey, there's grace, man, that is abundant. God's love, man, that's, hey, it's, there's grace that's there. But listen, man, why would we want to find ourselves, man, in a pit, if you will, if we can avoid it? Good news is we can. Because we've died to him, man, hey, we can make the decision to cut out this stuff that corrupts us. And so we must choose to do that. I've had to do that in my life, man, in multiple ways. One way, you know, here lately, right, talking about the second part of this list, mainly anger, malice, rage, right? One way I've had to cut this out is, you know, by uh, not participating online, you know, uh, whenever we have what, uh, you know, I like to call trolls, you know, that send messages, whether it be text messages or online via Facebook to you. After your sports team loses, like, you know, I'm a big sports fan and, uh, you know, I like to dabble in a little trash talk here and there. So a lot of the rebuttal, uh, you know, I deserve, if you will. But uh, but man, when, hey, when I was younger, it saved even a pastor. Man, there were times where I would find myself just simply upset, man. My team would lose. I'd get a text message or two from one of those trolls. I'll be honest, there, there are a couple of trolls in this room right now. I'm not going to mention any names because my team lost. But there's some trolls in this room right now that uh, sent me some messages that I realized, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, just smile, take a step back instead of respond out of anger. Man, shoot them something like, hey, God bless you. Or I'll pray for you or something along those lines, you know, but, but, you know, online even just had to cut off because, hey, what will happen is, man, I'll find myself upset on there hour, hour and a half. It's super late. I'm mad, you know, can't even sleep, you know, as if I can change what happened in the game and impact what some 18 year olds do, you know, on a football field, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, it's just football. How did I get to this point where I'm just boiling mad, trying to respond to this, you know, um, critic. I'll just use it as a, you know, how I got to that point was, man, hey, I didn't cut out, man, the source led me there. And so I had to make a decision. No, I'm not going to get online, man. And the folks that do send messages, they're all, my, you know, good friends anyway. And they smile and laugh and say, you know what? Yeah, life's more than football. Football's awesome, but life's more than football. But in the same way, hey, listen, all joking aside, hey, that's the call for us, man. We've got to choose to cut out what corrupts our life. Got to cut out what corrupts our life. That's the first step we've got to take. And then secondly, hey, we've got to choose to walk in Christ likeness. Man, Paul says here, man, to, in verse nine. Hey, don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. That word put off, the phrase put off in the in the, lang- in the original language, man, speaks to literally taking off these old clothes. That's what happened. Took off new, old clothes and put on new clothes in Christ. Man, that's not our life anymore. We don't partake in that stuff anymore. And I put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Right? Uh, This process of sanctification. God is doing the renewing in us. Man, when we came to faith in Him, right, He is constantly growing us in Him. Uh, By the way, those that are leaning into Him and walking with Him. He is growing us, maturing us. And so the call for us, man, is to walk in that. Walk in Christ-like Hey, Philippians 3 tells it this way, because, man, we know Christ, we are citizens of heaven. And so we're now called to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel together in him. 
Right? Walk in Christ's likeness. You know that word Christian was not an enduring word there in the first century, right? That word literally means little Christ. Man, folks, Jewish people back in the day, they used that to make fun of the folks that followed the way, uh, followed Christ. Uh, and, and, and the call for us is to do the same thing, man. Folks that followed Christ, man, they looked so much like him that they called him little Christ. In the same way, man, that ought to be our life. Walk in Christ's likeness. Live in such a way, man, that folks identify, man, that, hey, we belong to him. The way that we act and operate, man, folks ought to notice that there's something different about us. The way that, hey, we defend, man, this faith that we have, but also contend for the faith in an attitude of grace, mercy, and love. Man, folks ought to notice that we belong to him. The way that we love our family and care for them. The way that we love our neighbors and respect them, man, those all ought to be indicators of the fact that we are little Christ. And so the call for us is to walk in Christ's likeness. Man, we've got to put to death the flesh. Put to death the flesh. And then thirdly and lastly, man, the last choice we've got to make is this. Man, we've got to choose to put on the new man. Put on the new man. Verses 12 through 17 speaks to that, man. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, man, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving one another, as Christ has forgiven you. And above all these things, put on love, man. What's what's Paul saying here? Hey, we ought to be folks, man, that bear the fruit of the Spirit. He's talking about here's the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. These ought to be indicators of our life, man. Hey, whenever we make the conscious decision, right, to put on the new self, which is, man, daily choosing to go before the Lord, say, hey, God... I die to myself and I want you to take rule and ownership of my life. Lead me today. Right. As we do that, man, this stuff is going to be born naturally. Yes. But also we're going to have the ability to make the decision to walk in these characteristics that we see here. We're able to walk in. Forgiveness and love, man, and compassionate kindness, humility, we're able to walk in these things. We've got to choose, man, to walk in those, add those to our life. Description of a new man. How do we do that here real quick? Putting on the new man, right? It impacts our uh, conduct, right? We, we see Christian conduct birthed out of it, like I mentioned earlier, right? The fruits of the spirit there. Right, we see that our life is going to look different. Paul is saying this stuff is going to come out of your life, man, as you choose to surrender to the lordship of uh, Christ, through the Spirit from Galatians 5, is going to be born out of your life when you spend time with Him. I love this quote. It says this, It's hard to put on the new man when you're not persistent in fellowship with the God-man. I believe I'll say that again. I know you're ruminating on it a little bit. Let me say it one more time. Hey, it's hard to put on the, the new man, right, to exhibit these characteristics that Paul's talking about here when you're not persistently spending time with the God-man. Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, we've got to spend time with him. We've got to walk with him and fellowship with him. Listen, our life changes, man, when we walk with him, spend time with him. This stuff's born naturally, like I mentioned earlier, but now we are able to make those decisions. Whenever there is a potential conflict at work, hey, we can choose forgiveness or choose patience. Whenever, hey, your child's acting a fool in the house, hey, you can choose patience, forgiveness, kindness. We've got to choose to lean into him. Christian conduct has changed, but also, man, we see a change in posture. Man, we exhibit Christian posture. Verses 15 through 17 highlight that. Talk about that there. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called to one body, and be thankful. Man, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiveness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Man, Paul highlights, man, that there's an attitude change. Our posture's different. Man, we now, as we put on this new man, as we're spending time with God, man, as he's growing and maturing us, right, as we come under his rule and leadership, man, there's an attitude of thanksgiving that's expressed. Now we're able to praise him and give thanks to him for all that he's given us. Even though it may feel like there's nothing to give thanks to him about, we still choose to praise him and give thanks to him. We're still able to say, hey, listen, man, even though life's falling apart, man, God gives and takes away, but blessed be his name. Hey, even though God didn't answer my prayer the way I, I, I prayed, it's all good, man. Blessed be his name. Hey, even though, man, there, sickness is in my family and there's life, there's life stuff going on. It's all good. Blessed be his name. I'm thankful. Thankful. We're able to exhibit a, a Christian posture, a Christian attitude. Talks about that there. We're also able to exhibit an attitude of devotion to God's word. Man, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's more than just a, a simply being a passerby of the scripture, man, every once in a while, once a week. Man, whenever you put on the new man, hey, you're, you're dwelling in his word and letting his word dwell in you. You're spending time in his word and letting his word change you. You're investing in. His truth, man, an attitude, man. You have a different attitude towards God's word, man. His roadmap for our life. Not just something that you pick up whenever you need something, man. It, it's, man, it's part of your close communion with God. And then lastly, we see a, a new fellowship, man, or a, a new attitude, a selfless attitude. Verse 17, hey, and whatever you do, man, worker indeed, do it all in the name of the Lord. We have a shift in perspective on how we, man, live our day-to-day life. Obviously, things shift. Yeah, work may be a drag, but hey, bless God. Hey, I'm doing it for him. And so I'm all in for him. Hey, when I'm at the house holding that baby at 3 a.m. with no sleep, hey, I'm doing it for him. There's a total shift, right? The attitude shifts from being all about you. Man, to being all about him. And by the way, I'll just throw this in free charge. But whenever we live with that kind of attitude, right, that selfless attitude where we do all things according to him, hey, people notice. People notice. And so the call for us, man, is to do everything, man, in word and deed. In the name of the Lord, man, it's, it's all his anyways. And the reason why we're able to work is because of him anyway. By him we meet, we move, live, and breathe anyway. Acts 17 says. And so we ought to exhibit Christian posture. Three takeaways and then we'll be finished. Just to sum up the message today. What does this look like for us? Man, how do, how do we do this? Man, first thing we've got to choose to do is fix our eyes on Jesus. To sum up, man, what I mentioned, hey, that, that, uh, that new perspective, putting on the new perspective, hey, it just consists of you putting, fixing your eyes on Jesus. A lot of us, man, we, we are so focused on the here and the now is because our eyes, man, are, are wandering. Hey, w- when your eyes begin to wander, man, that's when your faith begins to waver. And so fix your eyes on Him. Fix your eyes on Him. Focus on Him. 
and allow for him to take the lead in your life. That's first takeaway. Second takeaway is this. Hey, we've got to find accountability. Like I said, hey, sin, sin is no joke. If you play with the fire, man, of sin, man, you're going to get burned. Man, if you let hey, if you let yourself choose to dance with the devil, whatever sin struggle you have, you have, he's going to take the lead in the dance every single time. And so you've got to choose, man, to find accountability, people that can speak truth into your life, that you can go to, hey, whenever you're, you're struggling. Right, that person can call, hey, I need to have a meeting, man, with, uh, with you. Man, I'm struggling in this certain way, man person of the same gender, right, that, that can just keep it real with you. Do you have people like that in your life? I'm thankful for those. I've got a few in my life. We call ourselves the Breakfast Club, man. We met every Friday for breakfast when I was in grad school. And we're, you know, two of us are here in the Nashville area, two are still in New Orleans. And, man, we text every time. And they have the permission, man, to come and, and keep it 100 with me, like I like to say. And I can go to them, hey, I'm having this sin struggle. I'm having, and, and. They can keep me accountable. We need those people in our life. We need those people in our life. Then thirdly and lastly, hey, we, we ought to focus on being folks that are thankful. Be thankful. Part of the Christian posture there. Hey, choose thankfulness. Choose thankfulness. We've got so much to be thankful for. In Christ. For some of us, man, the reason why life is such a drag is because we've forgotten all the stuff we ought to be thankful for. Amen. We got so much to be thankful for. And by the way, if you didn't have anything, you know, if I mean, your life has been a struggle. If you've had a a job type life, right, where things are struggle. Hey, listen, just the fact that you have Jesus is enough. The fact that you have him. But beyond that, man, hey, we all have so much to be thankful for. So, man, we ought to have an attitude of gratitude, even in the mundane. Man, choose to have an attitude of gratitude. Be thankful. Be thankful. I'll end with uh, this. Um, I read a story uh, the other day about uh, an old senator that uh, made a visit, you know, uh, uh, and was talking with a potential ambassador, new ambassador for the United Nations. And I want to read it here. That's why I'm looking at the screen here. Make sure I don't miss miss, uh, read the quote here. But um, and he had made this statement to uh, him. Uh, He said this. You must remember that in politics, how you stand depends on where you sit. How you stand depends on where you sit. And of course, I mean, he's talking in relation to, you know, uh, in that context, the political party seating arrangement there. Uh, But that'll really preach if if you let it for us in here. Hey, the, the way that we walk and stand as followers of Christ, man, is dependent upon where we sit. You may say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Where do we sit? We just read it. Colossians 3, 2 tells us that, hey, in Christ, man, we died to him, and we are now seated with him in the heavenlies. Seated with him in the heavenlies. Man, he, because of what Christ did, we, we accepted his death, burial, resurrection, believed in him, right? We're seated with him in the heavenlies. Man, hey, sin, the dominion of sin, that no longer rules in our life. We can say no. We can walk this new life. We can do it. We can do it. We can live this heavenly life, man, because of where we sit in him. And so the call for us is to respond and to do it. And to stand for him and to walk in this new life that we have in him. Man, to be little Christs in the areas of influence that God has placed us. Whether it's at 
the home, whether it's at the workplace or the school. And the call for us is to be little Christ. The heavenly life. May we choose to live out the heavenly life.